Hey, what's up and welcome to episode 8 of the Game Positive Podcast. This week is a special episode as we are mere hours away from the start of the next generation of gaming. There's a small amount of news I wanted to talk about, but the focus of this episode is simply to just gush and awe about all of the best moments I have from the current gen as it comes to a close. It has been a long generation full of tons of amazing experiences, and honestly, it was pretty transformative for me in terms of how I play games and where I play games specifically. But before we get into that, let's just go over a little bit of news. First up, reviews are coming out for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S, and almost all of them across the board are extremely positive. For the PS5, a lot of people are praising the controller, the DualSense controller, the haptics, and all of the features that are coming with the controller uh, seem to be blowing a lot of people away. It's really a shame with COVID and stuff like that that uh, they're not going to be able to have demo kiosks in stores or at least at least kiosks where you can pick up and play. Like I personally uh, was at Best Buy on the weekend and they did have a PS5 on display. But uh, it was locked away in a case and, and there was no controllers for obvious reasons because I feel like that would be a really good thing to just get into a lot of people's hands. But unfortunately, with the circumstances right now due to COVID, uh, that's obviously not a thing. But I mean, the people that are, are creating these reviews and putting videos out, they are going into extreme detail uh, to describe their experiences with the controller. And I think that is doing a good job of selling people on it as well. Miles Morales is getting a lot of praise. That's kind of the flagship launch title for the PS5. And for good reason, Insomniac is one of the best developers in the business. And Spider-Man was one of my favorite games of the, the last generation as well. So I'm really excited to, to check that game out as well. Surprisingly, Astrobot's Playroom, which is a pre-installed game on the PS5, it's essentially, I think, what it was intended to be was uh, kind of a way to demo the controller. But it is a full game, and that is getting a lot of praise as well. That's actually, aside from Spider-Man, that game is probably talked about the, the most, if not even maybe equally to Spider-Man, which is awesome because that's a free game that's included. It even has a platinum trophy, which is, which is awesome for, for people like me that are obsessed with those kinds of things. So really excited to check that out as well. Again, that would be so awesome if, if there was a way uh, where people could demo that in stores because... Not that they're going to have any issues selling PS5s, but I think that would really push people over the edge who are on the edge deciding whether or not to purchase one. Uh, all reports are essentially saying the console runs extremely cool and very quiet, which is awesome because obviously if you are a PlayStation 4 owner or a PlayStation 4 Pro owner, you know that those consoles are extremely loud. And one thing that was kind of a question mark uh, for a lot of people, uh, just because they hadn't been talking about it, was uh, the backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 5. And that seems to be working extremely well. There's a lot of praise, especially coming from Digital Foundry, to their approach to backwards compatibility, which it is limited to just PS4 games. But I mean, obviously, there's a ton of PlayStation 4 games out there. And in some cases, the PlayStation 5 version, the PlayStation 5 backwards compatible version of some older games actually perform better on the PS5 than the Series X. Like one example that was shown was uh, Sekiro, where that game on the PS4 Pro, uh, its higher res kind of version, actually ran at a checkerboard uh, checkerboard rendering, I think 1800p, whereas on the Xbox, for marketing reasons, I assume, and because it was a power, more powerful system, on the One X, they pushed more for native resolutions versus checkerboard resolutions. And at the time, comparing the Pro to the X, 
they both ran at basically the same frame rates. It's just that the X looked a little bit sharper because it was a native resolution versus checkerboard. But now, because of how much easier it is on the system to render something at a checkerboard resolution, the PS5 version of Sekiro is actually locking at 60 FPS frame rate a lot more often than the Xbox Series X version because the PS5 is still using checkerboard and the Xbox is still using native rendering. So that's kind of a weird... Uh, unique circumstance. I know for uh, a fact as well that the Division 2 uses checkerboard rendering on the PS4 and native resolution rendering on the Xbox One. So that's another game that may also perform slightly better on the PS5 back via backwards compat than uh, the Xbox series of consoles. And yeah, that I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, now, once developers start going in and actually applying patches to those games to take even more advantage of the next-gen consoles, You'll start to see those numbers even out, and uh, in a lot of cases, even right now, uh, with games that were native resolutions on both platforms, you'll see improvements on the Xbox series of consoles over the PS5, but we're kind of getting into the weeds now. This is not really what I wanted to talk about, but the main point is that backwards compatibility on the PlayStation 5 is actually working very, very well with PS4 games, which is great because I have a, a large library of PS4 games beside me here that I, and some of them I haven't even gotten to yet. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima being the main one. That's probably going to be the first game I play on a PS5 via backwards compat. So that's really good to hear. On the Xbox side of things, uh, we're getting a lot of reports for people kind of surprised uh, at how small it is in person. It kind of gives you this um, more like huge monolithic kind of appearance in, in the imagery. But when you get it in person, especially compared to a PS5, uh, it is extremely small and it does technically have more power in the box. So you would expect it to be larger, but a lot of people are coming away with it being impressively small and impressively well-designed, like how tightly fitting everything is inside the console. Backwards compatibility on the Xbox is working fantastic as well. However, you do see some even more advanced features such as auto HDR. And in some cases, uh, they're evil, are able to actually enhance the, the frame rate. Uh, and in some cases, they're actually able to enhance the frame rate uh, without a developer patch. Like one example they provided was Fallout 4, a game that was previously locked to 30 FPS without any developer interaction at all. They're able to run Fallout 4 at 60 FPS, which is fantastic. That's going to be a game that I check out relatively soon, having just finished Fallout 3 uh, a month or so ago for the first time. I know, I don't know why it took me that long, but anyway. They are showcasing a lot of games running very, very well at 120 FPS, which is good to see. Uh, a lot of that smoothness is thanks to the variable refresh rate feature that's available on the Xbox series. Uh, something that is surprisingly missing from the PS5, although I suspect you'll get that uh, at some point via a software update. One of the big things in the coverage of the Xbox series of consoles is the games. There are a lot of awesome games that are coming at launch. Uh, Yakuza is getting a lot of spotlight. The Falconeer is getting a lot of spotlight, which is really awesome. Uh, a lot of people are focusing on some of the enhanced backwards compatible games like Gears 5, Sea of Thieves, Forza Horizon 4. All of those are looking really, really good. But there's clearly a huge like hole in the library that Halo Infinite was supposed to fill. Uh, very evident by the fact that there's tons of merchandise out there that have Halo Infinite branding on it. The back of the Series X box has a huge Master Chief image with like the Halo Infinite branding. It's very clear that this was supposed to be there at launch and obviously it's been delayed, which which is kind of sad to see. But honestly, like it's going to be the better 
it's going to be better for the game in the long run. Uh, you have to think like, first of all, like you can't launch the game uh, in, in rough shape. I, I firmly believe that Microsoft won't let Halo Infinite launch uh, and not be a great game. Like I, I, they know how important it is. They're not the type of studio who will just kind of launch a broken game and fix it later, uh, especially a game that's as important as Halo is. And you got to think about it from the, the perspective of 343 as well. Because of this delay, they're able to kind of like reinvigorate themselves and, and not have to go through a crazy, crazy crunch. And When that happens, like when you are like crunching and then you end up going to work and being miserable, you're not going to do your best work. So the fact that the staff's happy, the fact that we know that Microsoft knows how important this game is and they're not going to launch it in a broken state. I have a lot of faith for that game and I suspect we'll hear more soon. I'm still kind of holding out hope that there's going to be a Game Awards kind of, uh, I guess, re-reveal almost. Uh, what I really want to see is the announcement for a multiplayer beta because they had promised that they were going to deliver a beta in the future. So we'll wait and see on that. But uh, but yeah, overall, both consoles are getting a ton of praise from reviewers. They're kind of stacking up pretty evenly with each other in terms of, of uh, their reception with uh, games media and critics. So that's really, really good to see. It's kind of an opposite of last gen where obviously the PlayStation 4 launched in really good shape and there was a lot of question marks surrounding the Xbox One. So it's good to see that the consoles are both extremely competitive with each other because that competition is just going to keep making them both better. So really, really glad to see that. A couple other pieces of news I wanted to touch on. The Medium, which is a highly anticipated game for me, uh, launching on Xbox Game Pass. It was supposed to launch December 10th. It actually has been delayed to January 28th. They say it's due to COVID and the COVID situation in Poland, as well as the current schedule of other games on the market. So what that translates to essentially is they were probably crunching to get it done for December 10th. And maybe they could have hit that date if they like really crunched really hard, but also cyberpunk moving to that date kind of just like nukes that whole part of the calendar. And there's no chance of any other game kind of getting any, any kind of limelight shine on it any time to shine where they have this huge like monolithic cyberpunk game that's just going to overshadow everything probably for that week maybe even the next few weeks so it makes a lot of sense for them to move the game uh, especially if it wasn't done because there's like like horror video games the reason why you don't see a ton of them is because they are pretty hard to make in a lot of it's pretty hard to make a good one let's say it's a lot different than than horror movies where horror movies are typically like cheaper to make like lower budgets and can kind of give you a higher return on your investment because it's it's a lot easier to just make a movie with some scares and people want to be scared so they're going to go watch the movie that's why a lot of the time in hollywood when you see movies that come out and they have like really really shoestring budgets but end up making a ton of money a lot of those tend to be horror, horror titles, like uh, Paranormal Activity is a recent example. But even like Friday the 13th was a shoestring budget movie that ended up becoming like a multi-million, maybe even billion dollar franchise. So it's, it's kind of the opposite in video games because horror, move, horror games are a lot riskier because the target audience isn't as wide as movies when it comes to video games. But also because they have to be relatively bug free. Horror games are all about like building tension, obviously. And that tension can easily be broken if there is some kind of glitch or bug. And so it's very, you have to be very meticulous as a horror game developer to make sure that all the games are running like super smoothly. And if you are crunching to hit a release date like that, maybe something slips through the crack and maybe one of your like really 
high tension moments kind of gets broken by a weird bug. So that's it's kind of good in both respects. It's good that they're going to get out of the way of Cyberpunk, but it's also good that they're going to be able to polish the game as much as they can without having to do any kind of serious crunching. So still can't wait to play that game. January 28th is when we're going to get it, and it's going to be launching on Game Pass, so look out for that. And finally, the last piece of news I wanted to talk about was Mass Effect Legendary Edition was announced on N7 Day for release in spring of 2021. This is going to be a remaster, not a remake, of all of the three mainline Mass Effect games, as well as their DLC. Uh, it's going to be coming out on current-gen consoles as well as next-gen consoles, where the next-gen consoles are going to be seeing updates as well, like upgrades beyond the current-gen models, obviously. They're targeting 4K and they're upgrading a lot of the textures and assets in the game. So it's going to probably look amazing because honestly, Mass Effect 1 is a little janky, but Mass Effect 2 and 3 already looked really good. So getting that upgrade is going to be amazing. And honestly, I can't wait to play it. I uh, I did play through the uh, the original trilogy, which was fantastic. But I kind of only really remembered the highlights of the story. I only ever played through them once, so I definitely would go through them again. And I also never played all of the uh, all of the DLC, which is which is I heard was really good. Specifically, I remember a lot of praise going to the Shadow Broker DLC from Mass Effect Two, I believe. So I can't wait to check that out. It is it is one of the tentpole franchises from uh, the 360 era. So it is great to see that we're finally going to be able to re-experience that uh, at a higher fidelity, especially if it's going to hit 60 frames on next gen, which I assume it will. Uh, so can't wait for that. That's coming uh, spring 2021. All right. And that is it for the news. So now let's take a trip down memory lane and go over at least my favorite moments from the last generation of consoles. I'm going to try my best to do this in kind of sequential order, uh, but there are things that may be a little bit out of order, so don't don't get too mad about that. But anyways, let's start where it all began, which was the launch of the Xbox One. I actually pre-ordered it for a midnight launch. I had worked uh, at, a, at a bank. I was there late, and I actually got my work to pay for a cab to drive me to where the Xbox uh, was being sold to me at. I remember, like, cleaning my house, like, perfectly, creating, like, the perfect spot where the console was going to go. I had all the snacks pre-ordered as well. Like, all that stuff was ready to go. And uh, I got the console. I got uh, an extra controller because I was living with a roommate at the time. And I got Dead Rising 3 and Rise, which were, like, the day one editions, which is such an awesome thing. I kind of wish they carried that forward, like the the cool kind of day one case that the games came in. But uh, the first game I installed was Killer Instinct because I wanted a two-player game. And I remember being blown away by the fidelity of that game, even though at launch it wasn't really anything special uh, compared to what we have now. It was, I think, 720p at launch. But it was just it was just such a good experience. I remember being completely blown away by Rise. I remember my roommates thinking it was so weird that I was just screaming fire arrow, fire arrow at my TV at like 1 a.m., which is kind of funny. Uh, I actually did enjoy the Kinect for what it was uh, when it came out. Uh, I kind of miss, honestly, saying Xbox record that uh, instead of fumbling with the with the inputs that you have to do now, which sometimes causes your game to stutter. Uh, can't wait for that share button. Uh, after that, I remember the next big thing being the Titanfall beta, which was really fun. That game, uh, the beta came out around lunchtime, I believe, where I was, and I was actually in a university class, and I just, 
I just uh, got a ping on my phone that it was available to download and I literally just left my class early. Uh, <laughs> I actually never finished university either. I ended up just teaching myself how to code and, and starting a career as a software developer. Um, <laughs> and that might be one of the inflection points on that decision. I just literally left my psych class in the middle of it. I just said I had to go to the washroom and never came back, which is pretty funny. Uh, that Titanfall in general was one of the first great multiplayer games of this generation, in my opinion. Um, had a ton of fun with that. I wish it kind of had a campaign. Like the Titanfall 2 campaign was amazing. If they could have squeezed one into Titanfall 1, I think it would have landed a bit better. But the multiplayer was amazing. Uh, I still amazing to this day, to be honest. I If they ever did like a Titanfall remaster, I'm sure they won't. But if they ever did, I think that would go over really well, especially with stuff like Game Pass uh, and like the rise of free-to-play games. Because you got to remember... There were free-to-play games, don't get me wrong. A lot of them were really popular on PC back in 2014 and 2013, but there wasn't any, like you wouldn't see, like COD Warzone, for example, or Apex Legends, you would never see a game of that fidelity uh, be free-to-play on consoles. So coming up with Titanfall multiplayer, like that would be amazing uh, if it was on one of those services or even EA Play, stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about. Next was uh, a lot of Halo stuff. I remember MCC was announced uh, at the E3 leading up to 2014, I believe. And uh, a lot of the community was expecting like a Halo 2 remaster because we were approaching the 10-year anniversary. And when they announced that they were going to give all of the Halos in one remaster, like that was mind-blowing. Me being a massive Halo fan, all my friends being a massive Halo fans, like that was a dream come true. Unfortunately, uh, the the launch did have a lot of issues specifically with matchmaking, uh, among other things. But for the most part, custom games did kind of work for us. Came out on a holiday too, so all of us were off work, which was a really, really fun day. Um, And that was, I believe, the end of 2014. Also, another game that came out in 2014 that was probably like the staple for me for the entire generation was the original Destiny. I remember like falling asleep in the tower like several times during the beta and just being completely engrossed by that game um i remember clearing vault of glass with my clan was an amazing moment one of the probably the better moments of the entire generation for me like the most memorable was uh actually getting a a gallahorn to drop uh in a crota's end raid at like 2 a.m and just like freaking out like screaming at the top of my lungs and then in party chat like my girlfriend like barges in the room because i had waken her up this is a weekday mind you like she had to get up for work at like six so she was pretty upset, and then I'm trying to justify like why it was okay for a grown man to like lose his mind because he got a Galhorn, which which didn't go over very well. Like she didn't really understand <laughs> why it was worth it to wake her up at 2 a.m. But anyways, that was one of the best moments uh, I've had gaming in general uh, this generation. It just was such an awesome moment. Like there isn't really anything that I can remember that really kind of had that effect. Like I'm not the only one that got a Galhorn and lost their shit. Like you can go on YouTube and probably find multiple compilations of people getting Hawk moons and Galhorns and stuff like that. And, and just losing their minds. And like, it was kind of magical. This destiny one, like I had this kind of magical effect. I'm sure like, obviously it's not a perfect game. It has its detractors and whatnot, but I think destiny one multiplayer wise, was definitely the best gaming experience I've had this generation. Uh, the taken King was, was the, like the peak of the game. In my opinion, I was, uh, I remember, uh, this is before I had a daughter before I was like really working at a job I actually cared about. So I had a ton of, <laughs> a ton of free time and I spent, I think a cumulative like 30 hours over the first weekend of uh, Taking King trying to beat the raid before the first reset. And like it was like eight or nine different LFG groups. And I remember it was like 4 a.m. after like like I think it was like eight or nine straight hours of grinding out the last boss fight and finally beating it 
on like Monday night at like 8 a.m. Or, or I think it was like 6 a.m. It was so early. I, I can't remember. I called in sick to work the next day because I legit didn't even sleep. But uh, I did I did kill Oryx uh, before the first reset with like a few hours of spare. And it was, it was just, that was a, a highlight for me. That was probably my like, it's not a huge accomplishment in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of like actual skill-based accomplishment in gaming this generation that was probably my peak <laughs> which is kind of sad but that just sticks out in my head uh as one of my my most memorable moments as well after 2014 though uh or 2015 i should say leading into 2016 like something strange happened <laughs> at this point i i had had a playstation 1 when i was a kid but ever since the original xbox came out like that had been my main console i was never really able to afford to have more than one. So I always had to make a, a choice to pick only one console. And typically when you're in that scenario where you can't have both, you really dig in on the choice that you've made. And that's kind of what I did. I was like 100% all in on Xbox. I didn't really care too much about PlayStation. And honestly, like in my, like, I guess youth or like dumber years for lack of a better term, I was like a toxic fanboy. The, the what exactly what you'd expect. It was before kind of Twitter, was huge so it was a little bit more private I, I don't have as many embarrassing things that are tied to me uh things that i've said but i was definitely i guess almost anti-playstation just because of just that's how it kind of works unfortunately but uh i remember just scrolling through facebook and uh facebook marketplace or maybe it was kijiji i can't remember and there's like someone who had posted an ad that they were selling like a, a ps4 fat a backwards compatible version and like a bunch of games and it looked like it was really good shape and all the games they had were literally just every playstation exclusive like every game i wanted there was no games that were like duplicates of 360 games i had and it was like an insane price like it was just a guy who who had been a huge gamer and kind of grew grew out of it and he was just trying to get rid of it he wasn't really trying to make a huge profit on it and it was such a good deal i needed a blu-ray player anyway for my living room so i just bought it and uh i mainly bought it for the purpose of having it as a blu-ray player and maybe checking out some exclusive games that i heard a lot about but never really played uh and then i started playing those games and to be honest uh i spent probably a good like three months three four months literally only playing ps3 i played through uh uncharted one to three uh, I played through all of the God of Wars 1 to 3 plus the PSP ports uh, and Ascension. I played through the Quantic Dream games, uh, Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. Uh, I also played through uh, one of the Killzone games, Killzone 2, I think is where I started, which was fantastic. Like, to be honest, like these games, I was like having this revelation where I realized how stupid I was and I realized how bad of an idea it is to kind of just unless you can't afford it obviously but if you can't afford it and you really enjoy playing games just in general it's very bad to kind of on purpose exclude like an entire ecosystem of games because on both sides there's so many fantastic things to play and so i was playing all these games and it was leading into christmas and like i was i just like i didn't think i would get one but like my girlfriend kept asking what i wanted and i just said give me a gift card so i could put it towards a, a ps4 if there's any good boxing day sales because at this point, I was like really itching to play Uncharted 4 because the Uncharted 2 had become at that point, I would say probably at least in my top two, top three favorite single player games. So I was really excited to play Uncharted 4 because it just looked it looked beyond anything I'd played at that point uh, on my Xbox One in terms of just being a next gen game, if you know what I mean. Uh, so lo and behold, on Christmas, I actually did get a PS4, uh, PS4 Slim 
And I first game I played actually wasn't Uncharted 4 uh, because I was waiting for a sale, but I did pick up The Last of Us Remastered for like 20 bucks or something like that, which was a good deal. And uh, I had played the first hour or so of The Last of Us on PS3, but I just thought it was too good. Like what I had seen in that hour was so good that I didn't want to play the whole game on PS3. I wanted to play it on PS4. Like that, playing that one hour of The Last of Us was really the main kind of driving force behind me wanting to get a PS4. So anyway, I played Last of Us Remastered and was completely blown away. Like it was the best game I had played single player wise since Bioshock. And it probably was the best game, single player game of the 360 PS3 era, it was, it's just a masterpiece. Like there's no other way to describe it other than masterpiece. And then I got Uncharted 4 on sale and that blew me away. The The car chase scene was just like, it was like nothing that exists. I still don't even know if there's a set piece moment in a video game that is better than that. Uh, it was just like completely insane. I can't, I just can't believe how good the Naughty Dog games are. Yeah, so I played that. That was really awesome. Uh, the next game that came out for PS4 uh, was Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn. I play, I bought Horizon. That was the first PS4 game that I bought at launch day one for full price. Like at this point, up until then, I had just been kind of skeptical on on whether I wanted to put a lot of time into PlayStation 4. I was buying games on sale or used or whatnot, but the trailers and everything I had played up until this point was just like tens out of tens. And I was just completely like mind blown by everything that Sony was bringing to the table. Uh, so I bought Horizon full price at launch. I played it for one hour uh, and then I turned it off because I knew that I made a big mistake and I just, I needed to get a PS4 Pro. So from the time I got home with the game from EB Games, plugged it in or hooked it up or whatever, played for an hour and then turned it off, immediately drove to Best Buy, traded in my PS4 that had just gotten like maybe three months ago, three, four months ago at that point. Uh, and put it towards a PS4 Pro, came home and continued playing that game every single day until I beat it. That was a fantastic experience. I can't wait for the second game. It's just crazy. Like it's one thing that this is kind of a side note, but I think it's really important for the major publishers like Sony and uh, and Microsoft, as well as like EA and Activision to take these studios that they have that clearly are experts in their craft, like studios like Turn 10, for example, or in this example of Horizon, uh, Guerrilla Games, Guerrilla Games had been making Killzone up until they made Horizon, and the Killzone games, like, they were billed as a Halo killer, and, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I don't think anybody really agrees that it's a Halo killer. I think Halo is objectively a better game series than Killzone, but Killzone is still a fantastic game, and they still clearly are really great game developers over at Guerrilla, and for Sony to uh, let them kind of go beyond their comfort zone and and like not make Killzone 5 and instead make Horizon Zero Dawn obviously was the right decision because they were really able to make a fantastic game in Horizon. The same thing goes with Naughty Dog, like Uncharted. They could have easily made Uncharted 4, uh, but they didn't. They made The Last of Us, which in a lot of people's minds is is a step above Uncharted. So I really hope that at some point Microsoft can like maybe let 343 make something besides Halo or let Turn 10 make something besides Forza. It's just a really awesome thing to do when you have these studios that are obviously like supremely talented but and let them unleash that talent into uh, a different project because like there is a there is kind of a staleness that comes with constantly making iterations on the same ip a lot of those developers probably want to kind of branch out that was kind of the main catalyst to why bungie left because they didn't want to just make halo forever and then destiny came out of that so i don't know i just think that it's a, a good thing to maybe think about for the future 
uh, is letting some of these really talented creators, if they want to, mind you, like I could be completely wrong and they might want to just keep working on these IPs. But if they express a desire to kind of work on something else, I think it's really a good idea to to let them do that. And that's kind of, I'll end the tangent there. But uh, but yeah, so after Horizon Zero Dawn, Spider-Man came out, another tentpole game for this generation. Uh, I actually, when I was a kid, obviously in the 90s, like the Spider-Man cartoon was amazing. Uh, I thought the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie was also amazing. But then when Spider-Man 3 came out, that really killed my interest in Spider-Man. And I honestly had not... I hadn't even watched the the two Garfield uh, Spider-Man movies because I was just so, I guess, like sick of, of Spider-Man at that point from Spider-Man 3. But then I played the game because I knew Insomniac were amazing game developers. I loved Sunset Overdrive. So I picked Spider-Man up and that game just completely reinvigorated my love for Spider-Man. As soon as I beat the game, I, I went out and got all of the seasons of the 90s uh, Spider-Man cartoon, which really sucked because they all came to Disney Plus like a few months later. But anyway, I uh, I watched all of those. I watched the Garfield movies. I watched all of the movies again, including Spider-Man 3, which I honestly don't hate as much anymore. But uh, but yeah, that game was fantastic. Shortly after that, honestly, for that the Christmas after Spider-Man that came out, I believe, I got a PSVR, which was amazing. Like That was my first experience with VR, which is a huge, huge moment for, from this generation for me. Uh, there's so many awesome games on VR Moss and Astrobot came with my VR set. Those are two of the best games I think on the platform. Uh, there was, um, firewall zero hour, which I got with the aim controller, uh, which was really fun. Like that was some insane multiplayer. I, I, I know that the PSVR is definitely, uh, the cheaper of the, of the headsets in terms of its fidelity, but it's still enough to give you like a really amazing experience. I remember playing, uh, uh VR worlds doing the, uh, the, the diving game and just being like, that was the first thing I did honestly. And just being so immersed. And then the shark, when the shark comes at the cage, I like literally in real life, like flew backwards and tripped over my couch and fell. Uh, luckily the cables for the VR were long enough where I didn't like pull anything off or tug anything, but I fell on my ass, which was pretty funny. Uh, playing resident evil seven in VR was, is, is still the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced in my life. I could not finish the demo. It's that scary. Uh, one day I will do it, but like, it's, that is just beyond anything that I've ever seen in terms of fear inducing. It was just, yeah. Oh my God. Could, I couldn't believe that. And, uh, yeah, like VR has, has been one of my favorite things of this generation as well. It's just so good. Like, uh, I remember getting beat saber, uh, Creed rise to glory and using them as like workout routines. Cause you break a huge sweat playing those. I don't know. It just, I really, really hope that Sony, um, sticks with it and, and, and announces a PSVR 2 soon. I'll be a day one buyer of that. I think the only thing missing from PSVR was just that that graphical quality. Uh, there's a lot of uh, like low-res textures and stuff like that that I think could be bumped up. And then also if they added eye tracking because there's some blurriness if you're not looking straight on. But uh, but yeah, VR was a huge, huge kind of moment for me in, in this gen. And I, that was probably one of the best Christmas gifts I've ever gotten uh, in a long time. So really, really love that. Um, I talked a lot about PlayStation, and honestly, that's what I was talking about for that big change uh, in my my outlook on gaming. Uh, there was a solid like two or three years where I was really heavily invested in PlayStation, like 2016, uh, late 2015, let's say, to like 2018. I was definitely playing more PlayStation than than Xbox for the first time in my life since like 2001, which was kind of crazy for me none of my friends came over to playstation they were all like really big multiplayer gamers so they had really no reason to 
So it was kind of like weird to sit on my own. Like I, I wasn't seeing any friends signing in. I wasn't playing any multiplayer. I wasn't in any party chats. I was just completely immersed into these mind-blowing adventure games and single-player games. It was just uh, fantastic. Early 2018, I believe, is when they announced uh, Game Pass, which was huge. I'm a huge champion for Game Pass. That was one of the better features, like software features to come out of this generation or any generation. I think it's that that game-changing. It just gives so much access to so many people. I can't imagine having Game Pass when I was a kid uh, and just having this huge library of games I could play at any time without having to rely on birthday money or Santa Claus, which is like really my only way to access games at the, for most of my life. Uh, just having that huge library and just the money you save and the money parents save as well. It's just like a huge, huge thing. And I, I hope there are more services like Game Pass come to, to platforms like PlayStation and Nintendo. Uh, and I also hope that Game Pass keeps growing because it's such a fantastic service. Uh, yeah, what else? Um, the biggest, I think, non-Xbox and PlayStation uh, game that I, I experienced in this generation, which is kind of off topic a little bit because it's not really part of a console generation. It's definitely World of Warcraft Classic. Uh, I have a lot of f fun memories playing World of Warcraft Classic uh, last year. It was, it had been one of my, I guess, I don't want to say regrets because I don't regret the choice I made, but basically in 2004, at least in like my circles of friends or the people I know, you basically had like a really important decision to make as a 14 year old. Like that's how old I was is you either are going to pick up an Xbox and Xbox live and halo two, or you're going to pick up a PC and subscribe to world of Warcraft. Now me and, and most of my friends actually like we, we got Halo 2, obviously, and played the shit out of Halo 2. I loved every second of Halo 2 I played. I wish I could go back in time to that point in my life and just continue playing Halo 2 because I think it's the best multiplayer game ever. And that statement is completely full of nostalgia. So take that with a grain of salt. But playing Halo 2, obviously, really important part of my life. I met most of my friends that way in high school. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I do miss I did miss the chance to kind of get in at the ground level for World of Warcraft and play and like level through a character and play in that community and, and whatnot. And being able to relive that through World of Warcraft Classic was was really, really awesome. Um, there was that just kind of galvanized like all of the friends I have that are PC gamers and everybody I know really with a PC all was there on day one, all trying to log in. The games were just, the world was just full of people. The community was like booming. It was just such an amazing experience. I just, yeah, I'd say Destiny is probably the best multiplayer experience that I've had. But WoW Classic is a very, very close second. Uh, also in 2018, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, uh, God of War came out. I was expecting God of War to be a really, really good game because at that point, every single game from PlayStation that I had played was basically like a nine to 10 out of 10, like all of them. Like there was not a single game, even games that had low review scores at the time, like the order. I still think that, cause I only paid like five or 10 bucks for it. So putting the value to aside, cause one of the main complaints was its length. I think the order is like a solid, like at least an eight, maybe even a nine. I love that game. Uh, so like everything I played up to this point was good. I expected the same thing from God of War. However, when I played God of War, it wasn't like a nine. It was a, like there should be an 11 scale. Like it was that good. It was a, it was a 10. It was a perfect game. I think it's the best single player game of all time. I've said that several times on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. It's was like, I was just in awe for 
like 30 hours or however long it took to beat it uh, on the hardest difficulty. It was just so amazing. Like I got the collector's edition. I got the statue. It's right on my desk. Like I see it every day. The box is, is on display as well. It's, it's my absolute, it's the absolute best single player game I've ever played. If there's no um, like nostalgia or fond memories put into the equation and I'm looking at it analytically and I'm telling you what the best video game of, of this generation is it's a hundred percent God of war with no questions. It's, it was the best. Oh man. I just can't say enough about it. I can't wait for God of war two. There's no chance that I won't have a PS five by then that I'm, that's a day one game. There's nothing that can stop me from playing that except maybe halo infinite. So luckily they're not going to be releasing at the same time, hopefully. But yeah, that is, that's definitely in terms of like, the best games experience I've had this gen. It's definitely God of War. Uh, and then we come into this year. This year is uh, more like most of the excitement and hype in this year is is based on looking to the future with the next gen. Obviously, everybody's really excited for the Series X, Series S, and the PS5. Um, but there was still a lot of really good games I played. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake was actually the first Final Fantasy game I've ever beaten. I've dabbled in a few of them, but from beating it from start to finish, this was the first one uh, ever, and that game was fantastic. I can't wait for part two. Uh, hopefully, that is coming sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm honestly surprised we haven't seen an announcement for that yet, but it could have something to do with COVID and whatnot. Uh, Last of Us 2 came out. I don't think The Last of Us 2 is better than The Last of Us 1 because I think The Last of Us 1 is pretty close to perfect, but I do think that The Last of Us Part 2 is is a very good video game like it's at minimum it's a nine uh it's just a very good showcase of just how meticulously perfect naughty dog is at making these games like the amount of detail that they put into their experiences is just insane in terms of a performance like a like an acting motion and voice performance it's the definitely the top of the the industry it was just a really good game. Surprisingly long too. Like typically with those kind of action adventure story-based games, you're not going to get like a 20 plus hour experience, which is kind of part of the reason why I think why God of War and, and and Last of Us 2 are so effective is because you have so much more time with these characters to really get invested in the story. And none of it really feels like filler either. It's, it's the, the story is constantly pushing forward um, with both games, especially with God of War. So uh, that was really fun. And then Doom Eternal was amazing. That was one of the best like first-person shooter campaigns I've played probably since Bioshock, which is a huge statement. I'm really excited to see the future of that game. Uh, I'm waiting on the DLC until my Series X comes in. Can't wait to play that as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons of other games I could talk about. There's tons of other awesome moments I could talk about, but I'm already kind of going over uh, what I planned on spending on this topic. But yeah, just to sum it up, uh, this con- this generation has been phenomenal. Uh, it reintroduced me back into the PlayStation ecosystem, which is somewhere that I really hadn't been since, like I said, 2001 when the original Xbox came out. Uh, it really kind of changed my whole outlook about like gaming in general, which is really awesome. Uh, like if it wasn't for that Kijiji ad and I'm picking up that PS3, I might never have gotten a PS4 and I might still to this day be really close-minded in terms of gaming ecosystems, which would be a huge problem. Being able to have both the PlayStation and the Xbox is just like been a huge plus for me, especially for this gen. 
almost, I don't want to say almost all, but the vast majority of the best experiences I've had this generation have been on PlayStation, which I would have missed if I was still as close-minded as I used to be on stuff like this. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, it wasn't until the very end of this generation that I started this channel, but I am really happy where I am right now with it. I'm, I love the the fact that I can create these podcasts and create these videos. I'm hoping to grow this channel and this podcast uh, as much as I can in the next generation, which would be really awesome. It'd be awesome to kind of create a community around this, just around positivity and gaming uh, and, and focusing on the good stuff in games without getting bogged down with all the console wars negativity and stuff like that so really hope to see some growth here i hope you guys are enjoying it so far anyways that's all i have for now thank you so much for watching please feel free to leave a review or rating or reach out to me on twitter or youtube with any comments suggestions questions or feedback uh, if you have time that is no pressure but yeah until next time uh next time i'll have a series x by the way so i can't wait to talk about that but until next time remember to have fun out there and I'll talk to you soon.